0: you about a contest that we have going on. It's simple to enter, hopefully easy for you to win. It includes a package for travel, flight and hotel for two, rental car as well, $1,500 value plus a staff pass for Glacier Clinics valued at 399 dollars And all you need to do is go to glazerclinicscom win. We've collaborated with Glacier to Get this package for you. We have the drawing for this on December 12th, which is the five year anniversary of the podcast. Again, go to slash win to register. Today's podcast is number 14 of 15 from the 2017 season, stuff that still applies today, with my guest host Terry Shea on a series that we called The Game Plan. In this episode, we talk about staff loyalty, talk about what makes a special team. We take a look at some analytics and quality control for your past season in the passing game. So here's our episode with Coach Terry Shea from The Game Plan. Enjoy. Welcome to The Game Plan, our special season-long segment of the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. I am joined here in Week 14 by our guest host, Coach Terry Shea. Coach, it's hard to believe we're uh, heading into, uh, for what some teams, is, is the state semifinals or maybe the state finals here. Um, and looking back on, on these seasons, how quickly they usually move like this.
1: Oh, and especially when you said week 14, uh, you know, I think back to my NFL experience where we would play, uh, I think it was 16 weeks. Boy, it's gone fast and it, it, it never changes. Uh, you know, you always go through such preparation for the uh, very beginning of a season and then before you know it you're you're looking back on this season and i'm sure all the coaches uh out there have experienced uh this every year as the, as they continue their coaching progress
0: coach that's what we're going to talk uh, about today we're going to look back obviously on the on our seasons you and i didn't necessarily have one where we were coaching this year although i believe you coached uh, flag football for your grandson's
1: team right we sure did and the fifth graders uh found a way to win a championship. So a that was, uh, boy, that's, you don't doesn't get any better. If, you know, the the real pureness of football comes out at the fifth grade level.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, congratulations. I'm sure that was a special experience for you, sharing that with your grandson and your family.
1: It sure was. And when your quarterback throws 40 touchdown passes in an 11-game season uh, and he's your grandson, uh, there's a little bit extra special Uh, feeling to that
0: that's great well coach we're we're going to talk about uh something um you know as i as i was on some flights uh long flights this past week to the to the west coast i was reading uh urban meyer's book above the line and the one thing he talked about is that um you know at the point he wrote this book i think it was in 29 seasons he said i think he had he had uh really five teams that he felt were were special that did everything, obviously, they were expected to do, that came together, really. In uh, that looking back on his his career, that there was only five of those teams, I think it's it's an attribute to how special it is to get deep in the season like this. Uh, certainly, talent plays a big part in that, but there's a lot of talented teams out there. Um, certainly, your systems play a part, but I think there's there's a lot of coaches out there with great systems, and really, it boils down to the people. And I think both of us, Probably can share in that idea that we can look back and, and point to uh, a handful of seasons, a handful of teams that were really special, where everybody you know just performed in a way that uh, you make makes you look back on it with uh, fond memories.
1: Oh, without a doubt, and you know, oftentimes when you put together a, a season to remember, uh, you, you think back to possibly the undefeated seasons, and I know personally, I experienced two of those one as a player and then one as a coach at the junior college level but um more importantly than than the undefeated was a team that i had uh as my first division one uh opportunity to be a head football coach at san jose state university and uh, we didn't go undefeated but we went all the way through and and became a top 20 team in the country but you you think back to what what made that special and I might share this with the uh with the coaches Keith, and that is we built that team around loyalty and we 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 tagged it as absolute loyalty and it was a loyalty triangle coming from the head from the coaching staff to the players and from the players to their teammates and then back to the coaching staff and um I really felt like that's that was the glue that uh started the season off and it kept the season intact and of course, when you end up in the top twenty in the national rankings, uh, there were some obviously some some really great performances. But the intangible of being loyal to each other uh, through the through the one point loss to the to the championship bowl game uh, that that's so important. And you've got to have something, Keith, that uh, kind of defines your signature as as a team. And in that case, of uh, and that particular team. That's what uh, really triggered, um, I think, just a great season was was how you built the loyalty factor into everything we did uh, during the course of that year.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think loyalty is one of those intangibles that maybe loyalty isn't always talked about as much, but obviously it's it's a loyalty that starts with the coaching staff and those guys believing in each other and trusting each other. And and just looking at that group, that's not an easy thing to do in getting that just that that group of adults on the same page to be able to make it happen for the kids. You know, as you look at that attribute, coach, you know, what are the, the key things or the tips you'd have to give the coaches that help build loyalty in a staff?
1: Well, I I made it a strong point to uh make sure the coaches knew that uh at no point would they ever be able to uh in, in a film review or in a game review among the coaches, would one of the coaches be able to say, you know, I, I told my player to do this, or I coached him to do that. That, that, in a sense, and in a way, is is being disloyal to your player. And uh, so I made sure that the coaches uh, understood that, and then I made sure the players understood that that would not be tolerated among the coaches in, in these different sessions of, of review. And I think once the players heard that, they, they realize that, Hey, this, this isn't just a one-way street. This is, this is coming, you know, through the coaching staff to us. And then we have to, you know, obviously translate that with our, with our teammates. So, um, that was one approach I took. And and I felt like, you know, um, so often, uh, the, 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 the blame game is, is delivered when it comes to football and, uh, You don't, you don't want your coaches to ever fall, uh, to that, you know, to, to that factor of blaming someone else, take accountability and let's get the job done, uh, today and, and look forward to the next, you know, achievement that we have as a, as a program. So that's what I would certainly share with the coaches.
0: Yeah, that, that's, uh, some great stuff there, coach. And obviously, um, Really not being blaming others um, giving them that loyalty taking the accountability for you know especially as a coach that I, I really have a role in this and if my guy didn't get it ultimately somewhere in my teaching process I failed that guy and I have to look at what was my role in that too now it doesn't mean he's full fully uh, absolved from what he's done but it's a shared responsibility and I think obviously what you, you pointed out there is that really um, comes together and, and really makes a team that that's loyal to each other, and and obviously one of the attributes of a, a special team.
1: You know, Keith, as, as a head football coach, which I'm sure we have a lot of uh, those positions out there in the audience today. But uh, as a head football coach, you want to make sure that it's your accountability and your responsibility to to make sure that coaches coach in a way that, that you, you need them to coach and you, dem, you know, the demanding uh, feature is there in, 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 the coaching staff. And I, I think uh, too often head football coaches, you know, look at the NFL level and the college level and see all these firings that go on. And, and the head football coach will fire his offensive coordinator or fire his defensive coordinator right in the middle of a season. And, and there's just no accountability Uh, To that head football coach, maybe the most proud thing that I can reflect back on my coaching career, Keith, was uh, seven years as a head football coach at the college level. I never once um, released a coach. I may have reassigned him and and put him in another coaching responsibility, but I, I never released a coach. And I always felt that your coaches are there because of you and you brought them together and it's your job to make sure they perform and they, and they do it the right way. Uh, You don't, you you don't point the finger and and let a coach go because of your inability to get him to do something the right way.
0: Absolutely coach. I think continue on with this idea of, of what makes a team special. And uh, one of the ideas or word that comes to mind for me is, is belief. And a faith in each other, belief in each other, belief in the coaching staff, belief in the players, belief in uh, you know the team leaders, the, the systems you've put together, uh, kind of building a culture around really um, embracing those things and having faith that it's all put together and is there for a reason, which obviously having that belief then builds to a trust. And, I, you know, it's, it was such an important word for me as a head football coach, as a head high school coach, that uh, I, I remember we even put the word believe on, you know, we got the decal made up and put it on the, the bumper of, of our helmets in the front that, you know, that was something that the players would see, you know, as they looked at each other as that word believe. And as, as we, you know, look back on some of our seasons, there was one team that just embodied that idea of belief. Uh, it was a team that I took over in a situation that there was a lot of adversity, um, you know, surrounding, uh, you know, the, the reason that the job opened. And it really was a team that, it, you know, everybody in the community says, oh, they can do six at four at best. And, you know, this is really going to hurt these guys. They're going to have a hard time coming together and pushing through this. So we took that adversity and we actually used it as a, a catalyst um, to to, to spur this team on. And it started with, guys, we got to believe in each other. We can't listen to what's going on outside this door. We have to come together as a team. We have to believe and trust in each other. And we did that through the course of the season. We actually had the second best team in school history. Um, we won the second playoff game in school history. And had we not, uh, we had to face, we'd lost two games to the same team who ended up being the uh, state runner-up that year. If we were in a different region, we very well could have ended up in the state championship against that team. Um, but you know, just how it, uh, the schedule fell and, and how the regions were divided up, you know, we we faced a, a juggernaut team. But um, throughout that season, belief was the key thing. And there was, you know, even late in the season, even in our playoff win, we lost two all-state players uh, to injuries, and guys stepped up the next week, and and there was no hesitation that. You know, they believed in each other as brothers and they were going to get it done. And I think, you know, as I look back and, and we talk about what makes a team special, I think it's that. I think a lot of those teams that make it to this point in the season just have a deep belief in each other. Uh, and, and in everything that they do, they don't hesitate to know that when a coach calls a play, it's going to work. And and they believe in their teammates and essentially they get their job done. They don't look to go outside themselves they perform in a way where they're doing their one eleventh on the field. And uh, obviously when you get that, um, you're going to have some special things happen on the field
1: without a doubt. And, and I'm sure uh, that team, you know, with the belief signature about, uh, you know, about that team, that was, that was what triggered, you know, their success, I'm sure. and And the consistency that you want out of your football team. So that, that's a great story, Keith, you know, the, the other factor that I would encourage the coaches to consider is to make sure I think back to some of the special teams that I've felt like I've been involved with as a coach. And, and uh, there was a de- definition of roles that uh, seemed to, to fall to each player. And when you can grab, say, 45 football players and make each one of those 45 feel like they have a role, I I think you – you are so far ahead of the game and uh, it's it's not easy to do, but if you can somehow make sure that third team offensive right guard, you know, feels like he has some way to contribute in his role. And you, you, you try to make sure you point out every chance you get to highlight the roles of, of you know, particularly the, the backup players. And I think once you accomplish that, uh among your players then then you have a very special chemistry and and of course chemistry is a you know it's a it's an overused word for a lot of a, a lot of uh, football coaches but I'll tell you what that's what creates the chemistry is when every individual player knows hey I have a, an ability to contribute because this is my role and this is how I contribute so um that would be another great feature to to instill into your program uh, as early as you can throughout the you know when you begin a football season
0: yeah I think you're right there coaching you know something I've done uh, over the course of my career in realizing that um, I, I think it was the second head coaching job I had that we needed to play more players you know I analyzed uh, at the time I was a, a coordinator in that same program I analyzed our our um, participation. And we had 16 or 17 players um, out of a roster of of uh, you know 65 guys. Let's say 16 or 17 who would see the field consistently. Some some games maybe a little bit more. I'm not talking mop up time. I kind of eliminated that as as a, um, you know a, a factor in it. Um, not mop up time when the you know the game is is decided. I'm talking about playing in the meaning, meaningful meaningful parts of the game. We had 16 or 17 players play, and I thought. It's just not acceptable, um, you know we have all these kids out here for this they're putting their time in we have to get them roles and it led me to think about um, and, and I'll talk in terms of offense obviously there's ways to to get those guys involved in in um special teams, but it made me think about offense and and how we could create a personnel system that Looked for that, searched for skills that guys had that maybe were a little bit different than any others. So instead of just saying, "Okay, we're going to be at that time," you know, we were a 21 personnel team, or in other words, two backs and, and one tight end, um, and then two receivers. We started to look for situations where could we get a guy in, uh, maybe where we would use our our receiver as a wing. Could we get a guy into that position where he could come in and do maybe a more effective job as a blocker? Uh, could we get into a, a pass situation where that guy who's tight end that maybe we can go to that second tight end who's you know a little bit more mobile than him maybe maybe not as thick um, but give him enough to do in the blocking game that we're still a threat of the run but now we have a pass threat as well and just looking at things a different way and kind of making our depth chart go a more a little more horizontal than vertical and I think if you can do that and find ways to do that it, it just adds to uh, the ownership in what you are doing. Uh, players want to be a part of it. And and especially today. I mean, that's, you know, a decade ago. And thinking of that team, you know, we're living in a society that is on demand and people want they want what they want right now. Uh, and we have a way to give it to them if, if we're creative in how we do that. So I think, you know, when you put your systems together when you, as you're adjusting your systems over this next off season, to think about ways and think about your personnel and, and where can they contribute, where can they play a role for your team within what you're doing and, and having the flexibility within your offense, defense, and special teams to get those guys
1: involved. Outstanding, Keith. I, I still, as a young coach climbing the uh, coaching ranks, I remember Bear Bryant once said, the morale of your team is only as strong as the last man on your bench. And boy, that stuck with me. And as a coach, uh, I always made sure that uh, that last man or the last group of men, uh, last group of players, boy, they knew how much I appreciated them and and how much, uh, you know, we would do to, like you said, allow the depth chart to go horizontally Rather than vertically, and uh, you know, get give them an opportunity to to run into the game and and play at some point. Uh, I've been asked this question often, you know, especially coaching all star games like I I have in the college level. I always felt like you know you've got to get your players in somewhere in the second quarter because coaches tend to get when they round the clubhouse turn for the second half of and and the game starts to become you know, squeezed in terms of the points, boy, you tend not to play as many players during crunch time. So you try to get your players in, in the first half of the game. And uh, that allows them to kind of take ownership and, and and give better support even going into the second half. So uh, I'd love to hear what you you just talked us through.
0: Well, coach, uh, as, as we look again and and we kind of, Obviously, we could probably do a whole series on what makes a team special, but I think we brought up some important things today, and I know coaches out there can can reflect and look at their own team and find those attributes that obviously, um, you know, if they're playing here in the final weeks, they're going to continue to rely on, or if, if they're, you know, con- starting to build for next season. Uh, they're going to build around those, but I think the, the loyalty, the accountability, the belief, the trust, uh, the ability to empower your players, to have a role in your team, all important things, and uh, certainly leads to um, having a special team in the long run. But I, I think as coaches, that's what we have to, to look to do, is to make sure we are giving our, our team the absolute best chance by finding some of those things to build upon and bringing our team together. Um, as we Uh, round out the show coach uh we've been we've been focusing on some things for uh teams who are are finished and have packed up the equipment and uh, they're getting ready for the 2018 season um, by looking back at you know what they've done and today we're going to focus a little bit on the passing game and give a few tips on how you can get started in analyzing uh, the passing game from this past season and uh as as i kick this topic off for us i think uh it's, it's not necessarily to just find um, the plays that work the best and you know plays that maybe need uh, some adjustment, but also finding the components in within those plays that have been both productive and others that need a little work. For example, I know um, in looking at past concepts and, and reviewing those in the off season, I'm usually usually able to find a route, one single route within a past concept that maybe was unproductive. And for us that always starts, Um, the discussion and the research on what can we do to make that part of, of that passing route more effective for us as we move into the next season?
1: Well, you know, there's a, there's an area of the game that uh, is at times highlighted uh, particularly on the, you know, or the television, but uh, it's, you know, numbers of passes you've thrown throughout the course of the season or throughout a game that travel over 12 yards, you know, and, and um, coaches always have to be aware of, you know, what's actually occurring in their passing game. And if you have a a quarterback that demonstrates a good passing skill, you want to give him the opportunity to create, you know, big chunk plays, you know, plays that uh, via the passing game can go 15, uh, 20 yards at, at an attempt. And sometimes you're your own worst enemy because you you don't allow your quarterback to extend his arm. You know you feel more confident in throwing the the short game that's anywhere from twelve yards or less. So that's that's one element to look at as you as you tend to review your your passing game and find out what exactly you have allowed your quarterback to do. The other there's another thought, and that is Keith as as you evaluate your your uh your passing attack if if your quarterback demonstrates accuracy then the more accurate he is the more opportunity you have for double cut kind of breaks in routes or crossing routes where your quarterback has to hit targets on the move and if he's less accurate if he's if he's uh not going to get you you know a, a consistent passing game because he's just not accurate enough, but he does other things very well to be your quarterback, then you have to almost program your routes to be more stationary type of catches. And so that's one way to divide your passing game up and evaluate it at the end of a season based on what style of quarterback you have throwing the football.
0: That you, know, that you bring that one up, I, I can recall a situation where we, we found that exact type of thing in our analysis. Um, in, in, in particular, we were running a dig route, and we found we couldn't hit that one. We were very um, inefficient at hitting that part of the route. And the change we made, and, and we never really uh, made it during the season. We had talked about it, but we decided to, to stay work it, with it, see if it worked. It wasn't the primary one in there. Um, but we, we really looked at and evaluating that as we went to more of a, I don't want to call it a curl, but essentially a route that became stationary with him running into a window and curling into a window rather than trying to run through the window and hit the guy on the run, um, which when we went to it the next year, made that more productive in our, our passing game. So it's, it's looking for those little things within each pass concept that you put together within each pass play. I think that that can help you make it more efficient for the next season because it's not, you know, you do have some momentum. You've, you've probably built within your passing game. you definitely have the learning you built within your players. So you don't want to say, Oh, geez, look at this. It's not working. You want to find out what small things can you do to make it better and to build upon the learning that you've already installed within your players.
1: Very much so. And, and another element of, of evaluation certainly has to come with the uh, play action pass and and coaches tend to uh, they don't necessarily forget about that, but they tend not to call the play action pass uh, quite as easily as they, as they do the pure pass drop or, or, or the quick, the quick pass. So um, I hope all the coaches will never forget the fact that the play action part of the passing game is, and can be your, your best chance for, um, you know, the big production, uh, the big chunks of yardage, and you want to make sure that your quarterback understands how important that part of the game is. Uh, as he practices, uh, you know, during the off season and during the during the summer months, is that he incorporates the play action mechanic as much as he can because uh, that's where you, you you win a lot of football games.
0: Definitely, and I would say the the last thing as your you know the last tip because um, there's certainly more. and I'm going to put a link up uh, to some articles that we have on USAFootball.com within our show notes for this. Um, but the last thing I would would suggest that as you start to break down uh, your passing game, not just to look at the plays in total, you certainly want to see which ones were most efficient, which ones were inefficient, but then break it down and further refine that into. Uh, situational and, and what was most effective for you within each situation because that's going to help build, build your menu um, for the next season so taking a look at your third downs for example and finding out what were our best plays On third and long versus a certain defense and that's going to lead you to some answers that you can begin uh, focusing your team on as they start to do their work and you know those guys are always anxious to get out and and in most situations now especially where the weather's better these guys can get out on you know the turf fields and work a lot easier um, together on their own and and that certainly gives them some direction to go to uh, as they start to prepare on their own before you get into the contact uh, you have with them as coaches.
1: You know, Keith, you hit on a great, a great feature of uh, successful offense, and that is uh, situational football. You know, the third and long pass, the uh, uh, the third and ten pass. You know, those are all the situations that uh, can certainly make or break you when it comes to extending drives and getting the ball into the end zone. So, um, very, very well well pointed out, and and I hope the coaches will always keep the situational part of the game. Uh, in front of them for any pass analysis you make during the offseason.
0: Well, Coach, before uh, we we, uh, wrap it up here, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to uh, share a great coaching resource in terms of of quarterback play, uh, your book, Eyes Up.
1: Whoa, that's great. I I thought you were going to ask me to come up with a great Thanksgiving story uh, (laughs) uh, that relates. I, I will I will share one quick story and that is I was coaching the Chicago Bears at the time. I was the offensive coordinator and we were playing the Cowboys uh in Dallas on Thanksgiving and I always I always thought as a youngster growing up how great it was to play on Thanksgiving and just think, you know, but nobody uh told me that uh when you get your your ears pinned back and you get hammered on Thanksgiving, that that uh that Thanksgiving dinner doesn't taste quite the same. So <laughs> Uh, all the coaches out there. I hope you don't have to play on Thanksgiving and keep, uh, keep the, keep the uh, winning streak going uh, this weekend. But uh, I wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, the book that uh, Keith refers to is uh, something very special that I spent over a year uh, creating. And that was the, the book entitled eyes up. And it's a 420 page quarterback development book that can be picked up through Amazon, but it's uh, it's got a lot of uh, neat gems inside of it. I even had one quarterback tell me he, he used it as an uh, um, end-of-the-semester re- report for his literature class, and he got an A-plus on it. So uh, there must be something special about it. Thanks, Keith.
0: All right, Coach, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to uh, all the coaches out there who listen to our podcast. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Coach, and your family. And uh, we will be back next week to talk about the big game, and and best of luck to all those teams still in the playoffs. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Again, we've pulled some strings for you, and we have collaborated with Glazier to offer that package to win a flight, hotel, rental car, and a Glazier staff pass. Go to glazierclinics.com slash win.